Thanks for listening to Julie Goodnight's Horse Master Academy podcast, presented by Smooth Stride Riding Jeans. We'll take on a new horse training or horse care topic in every episode. Thanks for listening and enjoy the ride. Julie, thanks for joining us for another podcast. We have a question today from Carol who writes, how do you correct buddy sourness on the trail when others go off in different directions or when we're left alone? My horse gets so upset that I end up getting off instead of getting tossed. Working him in circles, one rein stops, does nothing but make him more hyper. On the ground, he's very respectful, but when I'm riding, I get tense and he starts to pop up in front and even spin around. He's five and still green. Lots going on there, huh? Yeah, there is. Sure, there's a lot going on there. Starting with the horse is just a five-year-old and green. A huge amount of this is probably a factor of the horse not being ridden enough. And um, oftentimes I hear people talking about these problems where I see it in clinics. And, you know, the truth is the horse is maybe he's five and green or maybe he's 10 or 11 and green. Um, but if he's only getting ridden ever so often um, and nobody's actually invested time into his training, then the horse doesn't know how to act. So that's you know, the first concern is, you know, the greenness of, of this horse. This horse probably needs a lot more riding by a confident rider who insists on the horse's obedience. Um, the fact that he's buddy, buddy sour and, and throws tantrums when he's left alone um, is, is very clear to me that the rider doesn't have authority over the horse. The horse does not respect the leadership of the rider, um, does not feel that it is required to be obedient to the rider. Mm-hmm. And circling and one rein stopping is is not the answer to everything. In fact, it's not the answer to a lot of things. A lot and of things. In her instance, it sounds like it's cranking the horse up and um, and then the horse is beginning very threatening, threatening to rear. And, and then the rider has gotten off the horse and rewarded that behavior. It only takes one time. Um, horses are extremely fast learners. They learn much faster than people do, unfortunately. The horse has been rewarded for being disobedient. Maybe the horse has never been entirely obedient. An obedient horse is a horse that goes straight forward in the direction that you pointed him at the speed you told him to go, and he does not alter that course unless you intervene in some way by telling him to speed up or slow down or turn right or left. Um, it doesn't sound like she has that authority over the horse. And with trail riding, it's real easy for people to get away with that because when you go on a trail ride, you've got this herd mentality. You know, if you're going with one or two or three or six other horses, this herd mentality kicks in and your horse is just following the horse in front. In that scenario, because this horse hasn't been ridden a lot, maybe he's turned out a good chunk of the time, he's, he's only five, so he's already kind of maybe used to being with those horses. So does that almost make him more susceptible to go with other horses instead of his rider just because he hasn't had that riding time, that training time. Exactly, and it's quite possible she's been able to ride him on the trail because as long as he's following other horses, 
he's controllable. But what's happening is as soon as she tries to exert independent control by taking him away from the herd, he throws a wall-eyed fit to which she has caved in. So clearly the horse has no respect for her authority whatsoever. I think the leader is whoever's leading the other horses away and not who's on right. the back. Right. He's just queuing on the other horses, not on uh, from the rider. And But there's this illusion of control from the rider and because, you know, you can go with the herd and follow them. Horses follow other horses instinctively. They do it all the time. You look out in the field full of horses all the time and see horses following other horses. Um, so she's got a lot of work to go back and um, gain independent control of this horse little by little, bit by bit. I'd start in the barnyard, um, riding around the barn by myself, um, making sure I control direction and I control speed and go this way, go that way, stop, mm-hmm. um, go up that hill, down that hill, through the puddle, and then, uh, you know, increasingly venturing out and riding this horse alone. I, I think she needs to ride alone a lot. This horse is young and green and still impressionable, um, but she just doesn't have control over this horse. She just periodically thinks she does when the horse lets her think she does. <laughs> when so, she's following and just riding along. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you see that that's why we can have these trail ride operations that take people that have never, ever, ever ridden a horse out on a trail ride. Heck, here in Colorado, we take them up into the mountains where some riders that know how to ride wouldn't want to go. <laughs> and um, But the horses are trained to just follow the horse in front of them, stay in line, and the rider's just a passenger. So... Um, it sounds like she's kind of been a little bit too much of a passenger on this horse and not enough of the captain. Mm-hmm. So, um, Julie, something you said earlier really struck me, though. You said the one rein stop isn't that, or circling isn't always the answer to everything. I'm kind of envisioning that she rides along and everything seems fine and maybe she's not actively riding or... I, it's hard to see because we haven't seen this rider ride, but a lot of people just on a trail ride kind of go with the flow and relax, and then if there's a problem, start to use the tools. So is is that what's wrong with the one rein stop? Is it kind of become a default go-to instead of training your horse to go in any direction you want throughout your ride? Yes, it's. Uh, I mean, I see this all the time with um, horses in my clinics. Um, we've had it on the TV show as well, where horses become fractious and disobedient, and the rider starts in on the one rein stop, pulling the horse this way, and then pulling it around the other way, and then pulling it around this way. Um, but the problem is, that's all they can do with the horse. So now the horse. Whenever he wants to throw the fit, throws the fit, and they get the one rein stop. But then when you go to ride the horse forward and go somewhere, the same thing happens again. He throws his fit, and you start doing the one rein stop again. And so, you know, it, uh, what I thought was a very interesting episode of the TV show on that, the, the issue with this horse was disobedience. The horse would not go forward and straight, and you can one rein stop him all day, 
but at some point you've got to insist that they go forward and straight. Yeah, and at the speed you want. So when you're stuck in this um, constantly pulling the horses, cranking the horse's head around to your knee in one way and then the other, and it, a lot of times it cranks the horse up because it makes them mad. And uh, because they were in the middle of throwing a perfectly good tantrum and you ruined it, you know. And um, so, and then it becomes um, very reactive on the rider's mm-hmm. part. And, um, you know, then pretty soon the horse is controlling the rider's action because the horse is, oh, watch this, I'll make her one rein stop me, you know. <laughs> the question is, when is the horse going to become obedient and go forward and straight? And so if you're constantly uh, headlocking the horse and the one rein stop, pulling his you're nose not, all the way around your knee, right. you're not, you're not addressing the issue. Right. Yeah. It's a great emergency fallback position. But if that's all you're doing and the horse continues to be fractious and disobedient, it's it's not doing you any good. It's not serving a purpose. It's just, you know, maybe keeping you from getting bucked off at the moment. Mm-hmm. And she even says that, that she ends up getting off when he throws these tantrums instead of getting tossed. So mm-hmm. like you alluded to earlier, really what she's teaching the horse is if he throws a tantrum, then she'll get off, which that makes his life easier. Mm-hmm. I have to even call that the one rein stop. It is, um, it kind of devolves out of that um, where people are just jerking the horse's head all the way around to their knee um, very reactively when the horse is threatening to throw a fit or throwing a fit. Um, it's just reactive behavior. It's not really cueing. It's not really training it's just gaining you control for that second. And, um, but the question is, is it really control? Um, because you're not really controlling where the horse goes in that instance. The mm-hmm. horse is actually controlling you. I just think she's got to go back and do the basic fundamental work of gaining authority over this horse, teaching him manners. I would start with groundwork. I would want to start with teaching the horse to respect my authority from the ground. Mm-hmm. And then every step that horse takes and every breath he takes when I'm riding him better be an obedient one. And if I can't get him to walk around the barnyard in the exact path I dictate at the exact speed I dictate, then I can't expect him to do it out on the trail away from home when that herd mentality is really kicking in. Would you almost have her you know, kind of set up a little pattern or do something to really have a precise path to follow around the barn. You don't want her just kind of meandering out on the barnyard like she would on the trail either. Right. That's the mistake people make. They're too passive on the horse. And um, even and especially it's easy to follow in that trail riding because you're just following a path. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? Horses follow paths all the time. They're, you know, you're not really necessarily riding them and guiding them. So, yes. To determine if your horse is obedient, obedient, you have to ride in very specific directions and patterns, taking the horse in places where he doesn't necessarily want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, right through the middle of the puddle instead of around it, mm-hmm. not compromising with the horse on the direction. Um, you know, is the horse pulling towards the barn all the time? Is he does he turn towards the barn real easy and hard to turn when you turn away? Um, 
people don't have the level of awareness that they need to really understand whether or not the horse is obedient every moment. And so what happens is if you're not aware of it all the time, the horse starts doing little things like pulling back towards the barn or leaning in that direction or, you know, slowing down or speeding up. And you don't notice them because they're little things, but the horse notices them. And so these little disobediences lead to big ones. And she's got very big ones going on now. Um, so she has to go find all the little disobediences that she's been condoning all this time that have led to the horse thinking he can throw while I sit like that and make her get off. Mm-hmm. And then, Julie, when she finally feels like she's confident enough to go back out and test this with others riding away from her on the trail, is there anything different that she needs to keep in mind then or to that escalate his wanting to be disobedient? Yes, I think she, you know, again, she has to have awareness all the time. And I talk about this a lot in my clinics. When you, you need to keep your horse isolated from the other horses, even if you're going on a group trail ride. Be aware that when you get so close to another horse, it's like there's a magnetic field and your horse starts taking his cues off that other horse instead of off you. So she needs to maintain obedience throughout the ride, um, which might mean occasionally, which means keeping a reasonable distance from the horse in front of you. Mm -hmm. Um, It might mean, you know, circling the horse back every now and then, trotting ahead every now and then. Um, making sure the horse doesn't take off at a trot just because the horse in front of him did. Um, so just, you know, having a greater level of awareness. And, um, you know, she should, if she's done the work by herself and alone and has done some drills with the horse, you know, go right, go left, stop, back up, or whatever, you know, where you're issuing commands mm-hmm. and the horse is responding, then when she is out on the trail in that group of people and she feels her horse getting drawn, uh, you know, drawn into the other horses and not paying attention to her, she can fall into some of those drills to get the horse's mind back on her and make him remember that she's the one calling the shots, not him. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And then he already knows, oh, wait, if we're doing this, I'm supposed to focus on her and gets his attention yeah. back pretty quickly. That's really good. I think this is one of the topics that we're asked about the most often and have done several different yeah. episodes about, about buddy There's power. an article um, in the training library on my website, and um, I, it's, I'm not sure which section it's in, either training or issues under saddle, but it's called three-step circling. And that is a calming exercise that you can do okay. with the horse, unlike the jerking the horse into the one-rein stop. Um, it'll have a more calming and methodical effect on the horse. Um, so that would be a good one to look into in terms of having a, a drill to fall back on mm-hmm. to uh, gain the horses, get his mind back on you and get him in a more obedient frame of mind. Okay. Well, good, Julie. I think that'll be some good advice for Carol. I 
I'm Heidi Malacco. I'm here today with Desiree Johnson from Smooth Stride Riding Jeans. I know your sizing is a little bit interesting. Tell me how you decided to do sizing this way and, and what the sizing process is. All right. Well, when we first started the website and I was working on my sizing page, Eric and I had several discussions how we were going to approach this because industry sizing is all over the place. For instance, I wear a 4 in a Q-Baby and I wear a 10 in another dial wow. of riding jeans. So I that just wasn't going to work for me. So because of the industry sizing and because I just wanted to be creative. You know, I'm a, I'm a creative person. I decided to give them breed names. For instance, my smallest size of jean is an Arabian, mm-hmm. and my largest size of jean is a Nakota. Now, we have, a, 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 we have plus sizes, and um, for instance, the Appaloosa is the, the largest jean in the regular size, and then there's a okay. slight pattern break, and the Morgan is the smallest of our plus sizes. Basically, you go to the sizing page, and you put your feet together, and you take your measurements, and if you give me two numbers, if you gave me your waist and your hip, I could tell you what size of jean from the sizing page to choose and it's working really really well and that people are loving absolutely loving the breed names it's kind of exciting and different and new and fun right well it helps you find the real measurement rather than trying to fit into something that may or may not be your actual digit anymore (laughs) right right it just doesn't work when somebody says oh i you know i wear a size this I wear in this gene, this other style gene, that, that doesn't work for me. And when I'm, it's my job, my main job is to fit the first wave. And that brings me to my Colt special. But that's my job is I send two genes and I want those gene, one of those genes to fit for them and for me. Otherwise, it's just too much back and forth. And now, tell us a little I'll, more about that. How does that, how, did, how do you send that? How do you decide what you're going to send? And then how does that process work with people choosing the best one? Okay, so um, on the website, it's explained um, very clearly what I call is my cult special, C-O-L-T, cult. Mm-hmm. And you put that word anywhere on your order, and I know what it is that you want. Even if you've kind of messed your order up, I'll fix it. So you go to the sizing page and you, you get your two numbers and you choose two breed size sizes that you'll think will work for you. And I and then you make your order and you put your colt in the order notes. All you do is say colt. And I provide a resealable bag and a prepaid shipping label. And I ship you I ship you the two pairs of jeans and a successful colt is one you love and you keep and it fits, mm. and then you just pop the other in the resealable bag using the label that I have provided that's already paid for, and you ship it back, and I don't charge for the gene until you tell me you want to keep one. And, boy, it's, it's working great. You know, Good. the gals, if they have any questions, they call me, um, and if we miss, we just switch it out. And But 95% of the time... Uh, the cult special it's just it's it's working it's working for everybody good very good well i think that just takes into consideration real riders real body shapes and trying to find what's really right for you and what's going to be the most comfortable once you're riding once you're up in the saddle thanks for listening to julie goodnight's horse master academy podcast presented by smooth stride riding jeans Check out SmoothStride.com and find them on Facebook to thank them for making this podcast possible. 
Also, be sure to visit juliegoodnight.com slash podcasts. For the full library of audio interviews, you can listen to in the car or at the barn. 